This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. And you sit down and go, this is what I'm afraid of. Poke some holes in this for me. This is what I think. And they validate and they give us a truth statement or we give ourselves a truth statement. So you write the fear down and write the truth under it. And every time that fear pops in your mind, you go, that's a lie. Here's the truth. And it's a simple psychological exercise, but it works. And, and it's super practical. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about finding the career you love. A recent Gallup poll suggests that 70% of American workers are not engaged in their jobs. They don't like what they do or changes within the organization have made it difficult to enjoy their working days. But working's important, right? We need the income. We need the benefits. And most importantly, we need a purpose in life. How do we find a career we love? Well, I've invited Ken Coleman on the show today to help us figure this out. Ken is a career expert and national radio host of the Ken Coleman Show. Pulling from his own personal struggles, missed opportunities, and career successes, Ken helps people discover what they were born to do and provides practical steps to make their dream job a reality. Ken's latest book was a Wall Street Journal bestseller, and it's called The Proximity Principle, and it's out now. Welcome to the show, Ken. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, Ken, were you ever a part of these 70% of Americans that didn't enjoy their work? Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's where all of the work comes from. It was a was a place of uh, experience where I was in the shoes of those 70 percent. You know, there's all different reasons uh, for why someone is in that spot. But I certainly was in that spot. I knew what I wanted to do, uh, but I was scared. Uh, I certainly had a lot of doubt. So you talk about fear and doubt and then pride, fear, doubt and pride are the enemies of most men and women ever getting into that sweet spot where what they do best and what they love to do most intersects. In other words, you're doing what you were created to do. And so, yeah, I was there. And uh, and it is possible to get unstuck, if you will. Well, let's talk about that. So how did you yeah. discover the career you were interested in? And what were you doing before you found that career? Yeah, well, I was very intentional as a teenager to be uh, really, really honed in on what it was that I was created to do. And that comes from my mom and dad. They instilled that in my brother and I. And so early on, I had a good sense that I was going to be in some type of public role. I thought it was going to be in politics. And so I went after that right out of high school into college, got into the political world uh, in the state of Virginia and uh, had some success, was working for the governor of Virginia at 22. And uh, then got out of that about a year later to get a private sector business resume, if you will, all for the purpose of running for office one day. So very, very intentional. So I had a really good idea. And this is a little footnote here that will make a lot of sense here in the next two minutes. In the sweet spot where your greatest talent and your greatest passion intersect, in other words, you use what you do best to perform what you love to do most. That's what we're talking about. And within that sweet spot, there are multiple jobs 
multiple career paths as well. So it's very important that people, as they begin to hear this and begin to put all this together, it's not one thing and only one thing, because that's the beauty of that analogy is that within that circle, if you will, uh, as long as you are using your top talents to do work that matters greatly to you, you are in fact doing what you were created to do. So uh, I'm on that path. I'm in my sweet spot for sure. But what happened was there's two parts of that formula and the passion side began to wane. It began to kind of drop because of the political culture. I had been in it. So the kind of the robe was torn away and I could see all the ugliness and I was disappointed with what I thought was unprincipled leadership. And I just really began to question, is this the place? Is this the work doing political work? Is that the work that brings me the most joy? And the answer became a very clear yes. So I'm in my early 30s in that position of VP of a leadership company and picked a place to live that would set me up to run and the whole nine yards. And now I'm stuck because I realized, wait a second, the political world is not where I want to be. And I had to retreat back to that formula that a mentor had taught me years earlier. And so I went through the process as the answer and of rediscovery. And what I realized, my talents and skills, those are still the same. And the passions themselves, the type of work, the results of the work weren't really any different. It was just where would I do that? And so that's important for people to understand. For my story, it might be for you a very similar situation. But a lot of people get confused. Well, if I'm if I'm not enjoying this anymore, I got to completely change and, and 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 just go in a completely different direction. And and it's a slight change, if you will. So if you think about it, uh, this makes a lot of sense to you, Andy. But if public service and being a politician or an elected official is a public role, and so is broadcasting. And in both of those situations, I'm communicating. That's my top talent to help other people. And so now we begin to look at, oh, okay, well, how, if I go in broadcasting, what type of broadcasting? Do I want to do sports broadcasting? Sports broadcasting is allowing me to use my talent to communicate, and it allows me to use my passion of performing. But what's the result of the performance? Is it just entertainment around sports? Nothing wrong with that. But for me, that wasn't enough. That's when I began to look deeper into, is it possible to get into talk radio and television and help people discover their purpose and what they were created to do. Because I always knew what it was, but then even I went through a reset. And that's the period where there was a, a season of being very stuck because I, I left to start my own company in order to be able to pursue the dream, but then was terrified and didn't have a lot of connections and was waiting on somebody to discover me. <laughs> I know what it's like to be stuck doing something that you don't love. And that certainly was the case for me. Absolutely. Well, you, you talked about fears being a really crucial thing that people have to overcome. How did you overcome those fears and making that leap from your current career to broadcasting? Yeah, I love that question. So the way you overcome fear is by shining the light of truth on the lie. So fear is a liar, period. And it feels real. It feels truthful, feels, oh, it makes a lot of sense. We can rationalize our fears very easily. Um, but the fear of absolute financial failure, the fear of uh, rejection, the fear of uh, what my peers and friends and family would say if I stepped into this space, having been successful in a completely other space, 
those were the big fears that I dealt with. And largely a lot of people deal with a similar version of those fears. So let's look at those three. So fear of financial failure. So if I go after this and I go after broadcasting, I'm going to have to sacrifice and, and, and I you know, may get fired. Maybe I don't get an opportunity. How long is it going to take? Am I going to burn through my savings? All these kinds of things are very real fears. But then you got to shine the light of truth on them. If fear is a liar, then what's the truth? And the truth is, if I'm smart and I'm and I plan and I keep going and I win in my small business uh, and I plan and I and I work a budget and I don't get into debt, you know, all those things, then I'm mitigating the risk. The risk is not that high. Am I going to have to make some sacrifices? Yes. But are am I going to starve? Are my three kids going to starve? Are we going to become homeless? No. Not if I use my brain and I use some discipline and I'm patient and I don't jump off a cliff. But if I jump off a cliff to try to achieve the dream, there's a high probability I'm going to die. Uh, so that that's an example there. Fear of rejection. You know, look, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Okay, it's going to sting. I'm not going to feel very good about myself for a while. But that's part of the journey. How many other successful men and women have faced rejection along their path to success? So rejection is a part of the deal. It's the price of admission, if you will. So that's, again, the truth to the lie. Um, And then fear what other people are going to say. They think I'm crazy or delusional. Then they're really not as close of a friend as I thought they were. And uh, my true friends know that I do have the talent to pull this off. And they're going to root me on. They're going to hold me accountable. They're going to challenge me where they need to challenge me. They're not going to ridicule me. So again, there's the truth. So I'm just giving you an example of three lies that I faced. And how you overcome fear is you have to have that same, when, when, the, when the thought pops in your mind, and you know this, Andy, none of us can control the thoughts that come into our mind. You can't control what comes in. But you can control if it stays there and if you allow it to take up residence in your brain because eventually it'll trickle down your heart so the way to do this is own the lie own the fear say the fear this is the fear this is what i'm afraid of and then almost if you have to write it down and look at it and it'd be great if you do it with somebody that you know is objective who you trust um and sit down and go this is what i'm afraid of poke some holes in this for me this is what i think and they validate and they give us a truth statement or we give ourselves a truth statement. So you write the fear down and then write the truth under it. And every time that fear pops in your mind, you go, that's a lie. Here's the truth. And it's a simple psychological exercise, but it works. And, and it's super practical. Well, that makes a lot of sense, Ken. So you, you talked about the importance of aligning yourself with those true friends. Let's talk about that a little bit. Why is yeah. it important for people when they're doing something big like this to yeah. align themselves with the right people? Well, because we know that our peers, the people we spend the most time with, have the greatest effect on me. There's a uh, relationship study. It's pretty much the gold standard among all psychologists and counselors that Harvard University did. And it's been around for 70 plus years. And one of the, uh, the professors who put the study together and has had tremendous impact on it uh, in these latter decades has said that 95% of your success or failure is predicated upon who you hang out with. So just let that sit for a second. So 95% of the chances, you know, so you think about my failure success, 95% of that is based on who you're spending the most time with. Jim Rohn, the legendary personal growth guru, said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So you take those two pieces of data and you think about that 
And if you're honest with yourself, you know. Are you hanging around people that are positive? Are you hanging around people that are on purpose themselves? They're going after it. The analogy I like to use is I trained for the half marathon a year ago. And uh, I did a couple of training runs with guys that are faster than me and better runners than me. And my uh, particular times on both of those instances were faster. Why? Because their natural pace, and they weren't trying to do it. It's just their natural pace is a little bit quicker than mine. And the other thing is, is I was running with them. So I didn't want to slow them down. I wanted to keep up with them because I respected them as runners and just being in physical proximity to them. You want to keep up with them. And so are you hanging out with people that are on purpose in their own lives and they're getting after their own thing because they'll pull you along, if you will. And then if they're true friends, they'll push you as well. They'll say, hey, you're 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 not doing what you need to be doing. You know, I love this podcast. You know, you need to have guys in your life who will say, hey, um, I watched how you interacted with your kids the other day. That was that was a little too intense. Is that something you do all the time or is that, you know, uh, or you need guys. In fact, I texted a, a good friend of mine the other day. I uh, lives in Atlanta and we were reconnecting after probably six or seven months. So he's a good friend, but we don't see each other a lot. And we were talking some business stuff and about halfway through the text conversation, he said, how's your marriage? And, you know, I mean, just that little question, you know, uh, and he's a guy that I'm honest with, you know, and then we had a fun little, you know, texting. Yeah, we're actually doing great. But boy, parenting middle schoolers is hard. And, you know, and then, you know, he's like, yeah, we had a rough situation in October. My wife and I went to a rough period over uh, a way to handle a discipline situation with our middle daughter. You know, that's real. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I'm meandering a little bit, but on purpose. When you have friends that are on purpose and they care deeply about you, uh, you're looking for three things. And you know, we write about this in the book. The right kind of peer is somebody who pushes you. Who so that's that that example of the running, and, and they'll ask you those tough questions and, and hold you accountable. Well, that's the third part. And so they'll push you. They'll just kind of make you want to do more. Number two, they lift you. So we need peers around us that when we're discouraged, when we face rejection or we're dealing with fear or doubt, we can retreat to them. I got a good pal, my best friend, when I'm feeling down or something, or I'm dealing with some doubt or comparing myself to somebody else in my industry, I'll go tell him and he'll, he'll just beat me up. Sometimes he'll just walk away and go, we're not even going to talk about this. That is so ridiculous. I'm not even going to entertain the thought. It's just stupid. Get over it. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's huge. So pushing you, lifting you, and then holding you accountable. They know your plan. They agree with the plan. And they're going to say, hey, how are you doing what you need to be doing here? Are you growing where you need to be growing? And so it's so important to understand that your trajectory, your pace has a lot to do with the people you spend time with. So if you're seeing some frustration and you're not getting where you want to go, I think one of the things you got to ask is, are the people I'm spending time with, are they pulling me back, holding me back, whether intentionally or not? Or are they helping push me and propel me forward? We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, 
reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. Let's talk about the process, though. So there's somebody listening right now that says, you know what? I don't like my job, but I have no clue what I want to do. Where would they even start to try to figure out what that next step is? Well, this is the sweet spot exercise. So you want to make sure that you know what your top talents are. And this is a fun exercise for you. Some of some of you folks could go use the Strength Finders uh, 2.0 book, which I highly recommend. Uh, it gives you your top five strengths. Uh, but this is all something you don't have to spend money to do. This is all about self-awareness. And I would start with um, a sheet of paper. I think the physical exercise of writing stuff down uh, allows your brain to truly process the best way. We know this. So I get a sheet of paper. I'd write talent on one side of the paper, passion on the other side, draw a line down the middle. And just for fun, let your brain just rip. Let it go and write down everything that you're good at. And, uh, you know, I would say if you're a seven, eight, nine, or ten – on a scale of one to 10, one being awful, 10 being great, I would stick with the sevens and up and just write it all down. Uh, but at some point you want to order those things and you want to get to a point where you got your top skills and talents, those top three or five things that you do better than everything else that you do. Then you go over to the passion side, do the same thing and just begin to write out what tasks, functions, roles that when I'm engaged in these couple things happen. Number one, I really get excited about them ahead of time. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, number two, when I'm engaged in it in the present, 
I really enjoy it. It gives me the juice. I talk about on the radio show all the time, the juice, you know, you just, you just have the juice. You feel it. Everybody knows what that feels like. And then the third thing is, is time seems to fly. You know, it's like when you're in it, not only you love it, you're in it and you don't want to kind of be done with it. That's how I feel every day when my radio show signs off. I'm kind of like, dang, you know, I could go another hour or two. And uh, so, you know, you want to you want to gauge that. And so that's where you begin to write these things down. And then it's the exercise I talked about. So you begin to look at the list and then it's fun to create a purpose sentence. And this is this is a little simple exercise. I'll give it to you. Just create a sentence after you've done those two lists and, and, and write out a sentence. I was put on this earth to use my top talents of and just do a big blank to perform the work of another blank. And it's just a simple little sentence. So I was put on this earth to use my talents of blank, blank, and blank to perform the work of blank, you know, or to do the work of blank or to do blank. It doesn't matter how you word it. Do it how you feel comfortable. But what you're now doing is, is you've got this sentence, and this is a 50,000-foot view, and you're pulling your answers from your own answers from up top here. And begin to just fill this in. And I highly recommend using a pencil. There's something psychological about a pencil. You just write it down. You can erase it. It's really easy. And you stay in that sentence. Fill that sentence out. Come back to it for a couple of days. Uh, And then after you begin to feel pretty confident, you've got a general idea, uh, then I take it to three, four people in your life that are truth tellers. So they love you. And they know you. These are the attributes. And then they will tell you the truth. So if you're slightly delusional somewhere, they're going to go, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I see that. And we want that feedback. And then that feedback, ultimately, if you're really honest with yourself and self-aware, you're going to get the feedback of confirmation. And then that's the affirmation. And then from there, it's okay. Now, how can I keep writing that sentence and keep drilling down into that? And so, again, uh, as you begin to continue to work through that every day, uh, you'll be amazed at how your heart begins to inform your brain and your brain begins to see things. I'll give you an example. Uh, they know from psychology studies that when we go buy a car, that we see that car. Everybody's experienced this. We see this car on the way home. We see it like the next two or three days everywhere. And we've all made the comment, well, that's crazy. I didn't notice that car at all. Then I go buy the car and I'm all excited about how it looks. And then I see it everywhere. And you're kind of like, well, gee whiz, I thought I was the only one that had this car. You're laughing because you've done this. What what has happened there? Well, your brain has become focused on something that you desire to the point that you purchased it and you're all excited about it. And so the same car, those cars have been everywhere around you the previous weeks, months, and year before the moment you purchased it. But on the way home and in the next few days, you see it everywhere. Why? Because your brain is so focused on it, it sees what it didn't see before. Brain's powerful that way. So just in case you're wondering, I'm giving you all this homework, why would I do this? Because what I just described, Andy, is essentially that same experience of shopping for a car. And so we're, we're focused on the car. Now we're focused on the purpose sentence as we write this. What I mean by the heart informing the head is now you're in a place of desire. And you're like, man, this is it. This is what I want to do. If I could snap my fingers and get paid to do this, I feel like I'm stealing well, now I'm going to begin to see all the different places where I could perform that, or I'm going to see doors that I never saw before. I'm going to see relationships, people in places. That's the proximity principle, right? I'm going to see the right people where I never saw them before. I'm going to see the right places where I never saw them before. That's what happens. 
I like that a lot. So let, let's say that somebody's done this exercise and they're like, okay, I get it. Or they didn't even need to do the exercise. They know I am yeah. passionate about doing this. But what they're deciding to do is going to pay them a lot less than they're making right now. How can people financially prepare to make this a reality? We touched on at the top of the show a little bit, but how are people doing this to make this a success? Or how did you do it? Yeah, well, let me address. There was one nuance to that question I've got to make sure we address. Uh, you are not going to have to make a lot less doing something that you love. Uh, I'm just telling you. Now, you might temporarily. Okay. Let's talk temporarily then. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, because I want to be clear here if you do this thing the right way, you're not going to have to take this massive pay cut. There might be a few instances where that happens. And I'll address that in a second. What do we do if that is the case? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that for you to switch, um, you're going to have to get qualified, right? And so that's going to take some time. And so we're going to do all that qualification and we're going to do everything we need to do while we're in that other job. And so we're not going to see this massive drop. We're going to do what it takes to get qualified. So that's a learning process, doing process. And then we're going to get into the connecting process. That's all going to happen like it did for me. It took me, Andy, seven years to get the pretty big break and then another two and a half years uh, to step into the dream. So, you know, Ramsey Solutions, I got here. It took me seven years to get that massive opportunity, but then I had to pay my dues, keep doing it. And then, you know, two and a half, almost three years later, I get the big, big dream job. So, folks, I'm talking nine years here. So are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to wait as long as it takes? Because if you do it that way, then there's no need for this massive financial going backwards. Now, I did sacrifice a little bit. So even in my own journey, uh, over time, I made a little bit less money, but it wasn't a big drop. It was a gradual drop, but I planned for it. And so because I planned for it, I put the money away. I dropped my expenses. We sold our house. We reduced costs. So in the grand scheme of things, our quality of life didn't change. So you need to hear that. Uh, so that's what you're going to have to do at times. But you plan for it, and, and it might be a gradual move, not again, like we talked about at the top of the podcast, is jump off of a cliff. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of people say, well, uh, I'll get this call, like, Ken, uh, uh, I want to I want to start a side business. I eventually want to do this. When do I move from my day job into the side business? Well, when you can afford to is the answer. And so in that particular situation, you're going to start the side business or the side hustle. you got to get it up and going, take your time, go slow, start small, grow slow. That's my slogan. Okay. And so we're going to do that and then we're going to put money away. And if we've got to pay off some debt, then let's take all that extra money. Let's pay off the debt. Let's get financially secure. Once we pay off debt, we've got a nice emergency fund. Again, however much time that took, now we're ready to Okay, put all that money, retained earnings, if you will, from the side business back into it. Essentially, put it in a savings account. And so you've got, I'm making X amount of money over here. So if I'm making 75 over here in my day job, uh, I need to get minimum six months of my $75,000 salary in the bank. Minimum. I'd like to see you get the full 75. And when I do that, I've got my first year of salary in the bank. No worries. And I got a pipeline that I feel pretty darn good about. Then I'm saying, okay, I'll step from the day job into the dream job. That's an example of how financially you don't have to take a massive step backwards. Now, oh, temporarily, if you got to make a little bit less in order to get there, that's okay if, in fact, you plan for it. So if you say, I'm going to take a 40% pay cut, well, I'm going to take that 40% and I'm going to take my time and save it so that when I make the jump, I got that 40% buffer in a bank account 
and I know that it's for six months or 12 months, 18 months, and I've planned for that. I've reduced my cost. I've saved up the money. So taking that pay cut is temporary. And in all honesty, it's not even that big of a pay cut. Yes, it's a smaller check, but I've mitigated for it by saving up money and reducing costs. So I want to address that because that's how you do that. Absolutely. Well, we, we've talked about a lot of the principles that you found in the proximity principle, but tell us a little bit more about the proximity principle and where people can find it. Yeah. So the principle itself is in order to do what you want to do, you've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. So the formula is the right people plus the right places will bring me opportunity. And that's what we all long for. You spend time around the right people. People are doing what you want to do in the space, the craft, the industry, then you're going to get the opportunity to learn do and connect. And that's the juice. Proximity positions me where I need to be. That's the people and the places and propels me where I want to be. Again, that's the opportunity that comes from being around the right people in the right places. So that's essentially the book. Uh, You can get it wherever books are sold. KenColeman.com is the website uh, to connect with us on social, to buy the book. You can get some other goodies with that. Or again, wherever you like to buy books. Excellent. Well, Ken, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I know this is going to inspire a lot of people listening, so thanks. Andy, thanks for having me. It's a real privilege. That's the dream for a lot of people, finding a career that you love. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Ken Coleman. Number one, hang with the right crowd. Your ideas, your actions, and even your future is motivated by who you're hanging out with. Make sure those folks are lifting you up and not dragging you down. Number two, realize that fear is a liar. Isn't it crazy where our minds go when we're worried about something? More often than not, our fears are lying to us. Don't let your fears win. Write them down, tell someone about them, and get a gut check by asking yourself or someone you trust, Are these fears rational? Number three, save six to 12 months of salary before changing careers. If you're jumping into a new career where there's going to be a bit of a ramp up time, having some money in reserves will not only help you in a pinch, but it'll give you more confidence to charge on. Ken, thanks so much for sharing with us today. I hope this information helps everyone find a career they love. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this podcast. Number one, join us in the Thriving Families Facebook community. You can find us by going to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group or simply type in Thriving Families in your Facebook search bar. The second thing, number two, subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. And then number three, share this episode with a friend who also wants to find a career they love. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 142. That's session 142. And if you're new to the show, I would highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116, 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Yuri Geller. Do what you love. When you love your work, you become the best worker in the world. 
I hope you find a career you love, my friends. Carpe diem. 